and welcome to the Grid Podcast. My name is Simon Gallagher. I am Managing Director at eSmart Networks. And this week, we've got a special podcast coming from Belfast in Northern Ireland. And we've got two guests with us today. We've got Brian Murhead, one of our Grid Connection Managers here at eSmart Networks, and Mark McCall, who is Chairman of the Electric Vehicle Northern Ireland Association. So we're going to have a good discussion about my own recent trip where I drove all the way from Essex in England to Belfast via Holyhead Ferry and... It won't surprise many listeners to know that the charging in Northern Ireland isn't just up to scratch. So that's what we're going to talk about. But a few introductions, Mark. Did you just want to tell us about who you are and what your organization does and what you drive yourself, actually, as well? Yeah, hi, Simon. Thanks for having me tonight. Yep, so it's the Northern Ireland EV Association. We started in uh, 2016, very loosely affiliated Facebook group, I guess. We're now around 1,900 members on that group. And in March last year, we uh, transitioned to... A community interest company. Oh, fantastic. So we have a, a small board of, of three directors and a committee underneath that as well. Um, so we're, we're trying to represent EV owners here, their interests, particularly around charging uh, that you mentioned, and uh, also to promote EVs in Northern Ireland as well. Brilliant. And Brian, what do you do? Some of our listeners will already know, but for the new people we have. Yeah, so I'm a Grid Connections Manager here at eSmart Networks, electrical engineer by trade, I suppose, and I've been in the power industry my whole career looking to connect renewables, EV infrastructure, and large-scale industrial to the grid. Brilliant. So we've got two electric vehicle drivers. So I drive a, a Porsche Taycan, and we can talk about the tax benefits of that here as well. And you have a Model Y? Yeah, started off with a Nissan Leaf, 24 kilowatt hour, uh, went to Model 3, and uh, recently got a Model Y. Brilliant. And Brian has a car on order, but like the rest of the world looking for an electric vehicle, he is waiting a very long time. And in fact, quite controversially, he's going to buy a, an absolute petrol guzzler while he waits for the, the electric vehicle to come. But anyway, um, yeah, so where this all started from was I decided to uh, drive from Essex in the south of England over to your offices here in Belfast. Brilliant offices in the shadow of Samson and Goliath at Harlan Wolf and videoed the trip. So that video will be available on YouTube as well. So I started out charging the car to only 85% the night before, really to, to prove a point. And I wanted to video the charging. And if I had have charged 100%, I only would have had to have charged once. So I only charged to 85%. My first stop was at Staffordshire, an Ionity site. Absolutely easy. I've got a Porsche charging card, tapped it off the charger. I got 270 kilowatts. And I was away again in half an hour. Absolutely brilliant. On the boat, across, nice journey. Got to Dublin. I did need to charge again. The, the planner sent me to another Ionity site, which was Dublin City North. Yep. And there's two 350 kilowatt chargers there. Uh, now it was raining, of course. It was nice <laughs> and sunny when I left England. It was raining in Dublin. Charged the car there, easy. And funny, when I was driving to that site, you know, the charge planner in the car shows you all the sites as you're driving and what's free and what's not. And there was loads of DC chargers on the way, so quite a lot yep. in the south of Ireland for sure. Charged, nice and easy, up the road, hit Northern Ireland, nothing. Yeah, welcome to Northern Ireland. <laughs> welcome to Northern Ireland. You know, because you know, I haven't lived here in quite a long time, but when I've been here, I've seen all the, the ESB e-car chargers. I thought, well, you know, there's quite a few about. And when you look on the, the charge map, it looked like there's quite a few about, but really... I really had a bad experience. So the first two I tried in Oma didn't work, just were absolutely dead. Um, the third one I tried, because I didn't really research it that much, because that was the point of the video, you know, what's it like in an EV? Rocked up, uh, read instructions, present your RFID card. Well, what card? I don't have a card. 
So, <laughs> so that that didn't work. But um, my uncle Andrew is over from Australia, and he was with me, and he happened to put his phone up to it and managed to hack it somehow. And it, <laughs> yes, yeah, so you seem to be able to use your Tesco card or or whatever. I'm yeah. quite love them. Yeah, yeah. So very secure. So the charger went, but of course, they're 22 kilowatts AC and. My car has only got a 10 kilowatt inverter on it, so all I can take is 10 kilowatts. So, you know, really it's hard work. And especially where I was over in the west of the province, around Oman, Fermanagh, there's no DC charging there, hardly at all. Yeah, well, the, the, I guess Truri, the Circle K garage there, has just recently had the, the rapid replaced there. So it, it's been down for many, many months, and it was Chathamo only, yes. um, and replaced about maybe three or four weeks ago, and uh, now with CCS and Chathamo. So, yeah, it's a pretty barren land there yeah when you say rapid that's only 50 50, 50 kilowatts yeah yeah so esb have said that, that you know they're going to roll out this replacement of the entire network and that everywhere there's a 50 they will put a, a 100 with the caveat that that's preventing the dno can give them that connection that's quite the caveat yeah. as <laughs> we is, know which is yeah a big if and uh, they've also said that i think at the last count 20 or 25 ac sites will be upgraded to dc as well and that changeover so and is that coming from the the leveling up money there was a grant yes 3.5 million is seen the other day exactly uh, they got that uh, leveling up fund money and they're much funding that and that's going to replace everything in northern ireland yeah brilliant so if I think about the charging in, in GB, because that's obviously where I live and that's where I've got the most experience, I would characterize that as a lot of 50 kilowatt DC rapids. You know, we did a big rollout of hundreds of them in petrol station four courts, you know, back three years or four years ago now. And there's quite a lot of 350 kilowatt charging. There's, you know, probably 20 sites now and a lot more in the pipeline. So really it's it's quite hard to to find areas that there's not decent charging. I would say sort of mid to north Wales is a bit barren. Scotland's quite good and England's well served. Just give us a bit of a rundown, Mark, on the charging landscape in in Northern Ireland, yep. maybe compared with the south as well, because I think there is a stark divide, really. Yeah, well, things are a lot better in, in Ireland, certainly. Um, ESB made the changes maybe about two years ago now. Turned on, paid a charge there and, and replaced a lot of the chargers. We've got the, the hub down there as well. Can't remember the name, but um, just past the Kildare shopping outlet, mm-hmm. visited that at about Easter time. I think there's eight, eight rabbits there, but we've no, we've no equivalent to that in the north. We, we've no pay to charge, still hasn't turned on here. ESB said they, they hope to do that in the first half of this year, but that hasn't happened and they still say it'll be this year. Uh, we think that will fix a lot of the issues, shall we say, with you know chargers being hogged and, and a, lot of, a lot of those problems, um, etiquette problems maybe. But yeah, things are a lot better in the south. I guess they're not perfect yet either. You know, we, we have a lot of contact with the guys in the Irish EV Owners Association. Mm-hmm. Um, met those guys quite a few times. While it's uh, it's better than here, it's not perfect. We always like to show the, the chart that the Department for Transport uh, publishes the figures every quarter. And last quarter showed, I think, Scotland's 13-something, 13.8 perhaps, chargers per 100,000 population, rapid chargers. Mm-hmm. England's... Eight something, Wales is five something, Northern Ireland's one point three. Wow! Actually, we met uh, with uh, Zapmap this morning, who provide those figures to the government. We had a Zoom with them earlier today, and we were able to prove that some of those figures are actually wrong. So the one point three is actually wrong in Northern Ireland. It's more like one point one still. So you'll see those figures go down. I think that the figures will be out next week, wow. and you'll see uh, the reduction for. I think what's happening is some new rapid uh, replacements are going in from ESP, like the one at Port Russian and this one at Truri and Enniskillen. But the government doesn't seem to have a, a method to re- subtract off the charger that it's replacing. Right, it's yeah. It's showing as a net gain when they replace a charger rather than, you know, the number staying the same. Yes. So we have a long way to go here. So just think, I mean, we'll come on to the grid, you know, because of course that's what our interest is really. Um, we're all about the grid. But 
paid charging. I mean, it, it sounds good that the charging is free yeah. in Northern Ireland, but but is it really? Is that really a good thing? It's counterintuitive that as a group of EV drivers, you know, we're we're looking for people to turn on pay to charge. I think it was good at the start when everything was working, um, and the chargers didn't need maintained and they're all brand new. But a decade on. We're looking at a network that that's you know fading away in, in front of our eyes, and people who treat it like their own personal charger, you know, and, and park. I think one van we recorded forty-seven hours on an AC charger one weekend, you know, things like that. So, I guess I think about eighty or ninety percent of, of our membership, um, when, when polled the last time, wanted pay to charge turn on, wanted overstay fees, not only overstay fees but recurring overstay fees, you know, so you don't get hit once after 45 minutes yes. and then just go, oh, well, I might as well park there the rest of the day I've paid. Now, you know, that, <laughs> that needs to hit you every half hour or whatever it is after that, you know, to, to, to encourage you to move on. So we need to incentivize people to charge at home where they can and leave the public chargers for people that need them. You know, it boils down to, would you rather have a free service that is no good and you can't use or would you rather pay a reasonable price for a service that's actually exactly. useful? That That's what it boils down yeah, to, doesn't it? Exactly. We do see the same thing a bit in, in England. So, well, I'll not name them, but some of the supermarkets have got free charging and you do see a lot of complaints on, on the ZapMap chat about, you know, taxi drivers sit there all day and it doesn't give anyone else in. Yeah. So, you know, again, it sounds like a good thing. My pet hate is National Trust. I've put quite a lot of AC chargers in. And you know, sometimes we'll drive quite a long way to go to a national trust place. But because the charges are free, people are using them. They may not need to. So yep. if I've charged a long way and I do need to charge, well, I can't because someone who's in a in a hybrid maybe is, yeah. is taking their free electricity and I can't get home. So the free charging, yeah, sounds good, but yep. ultimately it harms, doesn't it? I think so. So what do you think, you know, assuming you know, ESB are going to make this investment now and there are other private network operators who have a signal intent to come into Northern Ireland. So Instavolt, for example, are building out a network here. There was, is it EV? Weave. Weave, yes, yeah. Weave. EasyGo. EasyGo. The Foster Project, yeah. um, which is the EU money. There's Council Consortium, Tesla, Everrun, Maxol. There are a number now, uh, you know, the investment has arrived at last, hooray. But now we're on to a, a new set of challenges, shall we say, around grid yes. connections and, and uh, capacity and things. Right. Before we, yeah, but just before we get on to the grid, I mean, I do think it's interesting that clearly the business case has been made now for private investment. So, you know, Instavolt are investing, all those people you talked about yeah. are investing and there's a garage in Fintna near Oma, uh, Fintna Auto Spares, and they're quite a progressive management team and they're investing in their own garage in the 75 kilowatt charge that we're helping them with. So right. clearly people see the business case, which is good, which just reinforces the point really that they need yeah. to turn off. Yeah. But... Of course, the big constraint is the grid. So, Mark, just sort of outline what problems you've seen so far, and then Brian will get into a bit of detail about the solutions we have in GB, and there are solutions that we don't currently have in Northern Ireland. Yeah, well, I guess, like I say, you know, investment was a problem up until now. Now we have investment, and we've got lots of companies contacting us, you know, local charge point operators, big brand names, like, like you mentioned, Instavolt, you know, all the other suspects as well, you'd imagine, you know, that maybe haven't announced here yet, but are talking to us. And they're all coming up with the same issues. The length of time it takes to get a connection, the cost of the connection, the fact that they can't get a connection in the locations that they want to, capacity, all, all these things. You know, one uh, guy said this, it was a six-figure sum, I think they were quoted, and he said, if I was there for 100 years, I, could, I couldn't make any money here, you know. So I think we've always had a more expensive connection. Uh, our pricing policy is different in Northern Ireland to GB, so less of our 
cost of a connection you're socialized spread amongst everyone's bill so that makes things more expensive here and there's a change coming in in spring next year where Offgem and GB is going to make a lot of connections free so that gulf's going to widen even more. So Brian did you just want to tell us about the difference in the charging uh, methodology in Northern Ireland and Great Britain for connections and also touch maybe on the time scales and, and the regulations but you know most importantly the the solution that Offgem has found about how we're going to address the capacity problem as well and, and tell us a bit about how you find capacity and what you do in your day job essentially. Yeah so as Mark alluded to one of the biggest problems facing charge point operators rolling out charging in Northern Ireland because yeah the good thing is we have charge point operators wanting to roll out chargers and solve this problem but when it comes to getting the actual grid connections then for high power charging in GB for example the current regulations if you connect a two megawatt charging hub to a piece of network that can take 10 megawatts of capacity but there's already nine megawatts there, you're going to push that over the 10 megawatt limit and need that bit of network upgraded. If that network gets upgraded to 20 megawatts capacity and you're taking two megawatts, you'll pay two twentieths, 10% of the cost of that. Now that might be about, say, three, four million quid to upgrade a primary substation to transformers. So in GB, you're going to pay 10% of that. In NI, you're going to pay the full whack. I didn't actually know that, really. Yeah. There's no... Cost apportionment whatsoever? There, there is zero cost apportionment. So basically, wow. as a connecting customer, whether you're a charge point operator or it could be a renewable developer as well, you basically pay to upgrade the full network and create all that extra capacity that you're not going to use. That's charge point operators. You get told, quote it, five million quid or whatever it is, you're, you're going to walk away. It's just never going to be feasible. So that filling station of Fintan talked about, Fintan Auto Spares, if, if, they, if there's no capacity on the local low-voltage network, and they needed a new substation, and that they needed the primary reinforced, he would have to pay the full whack, so a couple of million pounds for a 75 kilowatt charger. There is a boundary there in terms of how many voltage levels up you pay. Right. So if you're connecting to LV, you can pay to reinforce the LV and the 11 kV, but you can't pay to reinforce the 33 kV. But that is then when you end up in a bit of a no-man's land because there is no rules for well, who actually does pay to upgrade that 33 right. kV. So you end up in a sticking point where then there's no capacity, basically. Nothing gets done. Basically, yeah. So in GB then, so you obviously have the socializing of cost, uh, which allows your network to develop. People connect, that upgrades the network, that leaves more capacity for more people to come behind and connect, etc. Well, Offgem went through a full consultation process there and they basically determined that that is not good enough and that is putting off EV charging. That's already more sensible than here in Northern Ireland. And <laughs> that's already way advanced, allowing networks to develop charging capacity. And Offgem's basically, they've looked at the problem, they've consulted, and they're saying, oh, this isn't actually progressive enough. We need to do more to encourage electrification of transport, electrification of heat, electrification of industry, decarbonization as a whole. Yeah, no, I, I'm a layman and all this, but I read a bit of the, the Offgem consultation document and it talked about the high prices were a signal to put people off applying for connections, you know, in certain areas. But now that we're all about low carbon technology, that we have to do away with that now because everyone's going to need electrification of transport and heat and all the rest of it. So it's time to do a different method, you know, which we need to drag Northern Ireland screaming and kicking into the, the 21st century. So that's a very good point, and we'll come to the regional imbalance in just a second. But just to explain what Offgem are moving to then, come March next year. Just for the context, though, Offgem said that, so in GB historically, if I wanted a connection and the capacity was there, I didn't pay for any reinforcement. I, I got it for free, essentially. 
But if I tipped the network over the edge, then I did have to pay for some reinforcement. So in the olden days, that was a price signal that, well, I might move my factory somewhere where there is capacity, which makes sense. You know why? Why should we let anyone build anything anywhere if it's going to cost a lot of money? But as you said, Mark, well, we need chargers everywhere. So OFGM said, well, this, this randomness is putting people off connecting electric vehicles and heat pumps. So yeah, what was this, the solution then? Yeah, so NI, if you need to upgrade the network, you pay to upgrade the whole network and all the capacity you don't use. The current GB system, you're paying just your share of what you upgrade, sort of a fair share. And OFGM saying, yeah, that, well, that's actually putting people off. So we'll just, all reinforcement cost will be socialized. Sorry, and when we say socialized, what we mean there is the DNO will pay for it. Yeah. But of course, the DNO get their money from everyone's electricity bills. So it just gets spread across yeah. everyone's electricity bills. And the theory being, though, that you're installing EV charging, that is bringing a lot more electricity usage onto the network. So the cost of that gets spread across every unit of electricity used, but you're increasing the number of units yes. of electricity used. So therefore, you increase that, you increase the spread, and it's kind of a net. It might not be exactly neutral, but it's not just that it's going to put bills up. Yes, yes. So OFGM's done that then to encourage EV charging and also address regional imbalances. So I was looking at NIE's capacity map today. About a quarter of the substations in Northern Ireland, 33 to 11 kV, have less than one megawatt of capacity. Over half have less than five megawatts of capacity. So we've modelled probably over three, 400 different DNO network areas across GB for EV charging hubs. And if you see five megawatts or less left, that's a red flag. Yeah. You're red flagging those sites. You know, it's crazy. So like that's just sterilizing huge amounts of the country for large-scale hubs. Mm. Can I ask again, Zalema, why have we got ourselves into this situation? I think it's a part of that regulatory environment where you're relying on customers to pay to create more network capacity Northern Ireland's been living with that for the last, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 years or more. Whereas in, in GB, they've, they've had the cost-sharing mechanism. So while Ofgem are actually saying, well, the cost-sharing mechanism isn't good enough, people have been able to fit their yep. fair share. Networks have developed, capacity has grown, and that leaves the network in GB in, in relatively good shape today. Whereas basically in Northern Ireland... There's no way to, it's totally financially unfeasible for businesses or homes to pay to upgrade a yeah. whole network. And so the net, the network capacity is basically stagnated. And I guess we often hear, you know, the DNO talk about there are other ways to do things. You know, it's not necessarily all about copper in the ground and hardware. There are smarter ways to do it. But we seem to be snookered on that front as well. <laughs> you know, we, do, we don't seem to have the data here or, or at the same level as GB or smart meters. I, I know, you know, as an example, but even for the DNO's equipment, you know, uh, Again, tell us the, the proper terminology, Brian, but they can't monitor at maybe substation level or whatever you'd expect to. Yeah, and again, it, it kind of comes down to the regulatory environment and, and the money not being there to upgrade the network, really, and the regulation not facilitating it on an even footing as you would have in GB. So to be fair to NIU Networks, the local DNO, they have flagged these issues that, you know, if, if you look on their website, they've made presentations to the likes of the Storm and Infrastructure Committee going back you know, years on, on this connection charge and stuff. So it, it, it's not for want of trying for, yeah, for the interested parties. Yeah. It's really a, a governance and regulation thing, really, at the end of the day. I think uh, we could probably get into a right good debate about, about all that, Brian. But I think bringing it back to your question about, because one of the things you do a lot of, Brian, is, is searching the networks for capacity for the charge network operators, mostly the 11 kV and 33 kV network. And by and large, we find a lot of capacity for them. 
the reason I think for that to build on what you're saying, Brian, is that in Great Britain, in the north and in Wales and places like that, you had a whole lot of old industry that sadly died off. So all the collieries and that, you had all these networks. They had a, a problem where they had far too much capacity and they had stranded primary substations. So there was a lot of sort of inbuilt capacity already there. And then, of course, in the south east predominantly because of the housing market, there was huge house building programs. And you know that naturally built up the networks because of the cost sharing mechanism. So although I'm from here, my background is in the GB networks. And it is quite shocking the, the state of the networks here in Northern Ireland compared to GB, both in terms of the lack of capacity. But to your point, Mark, the, the networks in GB are much more evolved in terms of automation and some of the smart things. So and NIE networks is right. There are smart solutions. Now, they're not the absolute panacea. They won't solve all problems. But Brian, do you just want to, maybe tell Mark about the bus depot, for example, where we did the timed connection in, in Fullwell in London? Yeah, so for example, um, with electrifying a bus depot in London, the buses were due to arrive, the bus line was being electrified by a certain date. The application went into the DNO to get the grid up capacity. Uh, quote came back, I think, I can't remember the exact figures, but it was three, four years and ridiculous hundreds yep. of thousands. I think it was three million in, in three years. Yeah. Nice round. Yeah. Three and three. <laughs> But again, it's all about data and taking a closer look at these things. So when you actually go in to analyze the sort of power flows on that network, it's being able to analyze the data with a, an in-depth knowledge of the customer's need. So we obviously have good knowledge of the charging patterns of the EV buses. We know that they normally charge between sort of 11 at night through to I think roughly about 5, 5.30 in the morning. And then you can look at the power flows and, and look to try and take that time profile and piece it into the DNO's network. And the capacity was actually there through the hours we needed it. Yep. But it's taken that smarter approach to actually sit down and analyze that, fit it in. We had to actually slightly adjust the charging regime slightly, you know, just tweak it at, at, at certain times, a couple of tweaks. And then, yeah, we, we basically had a time connection where capacity is there between 11 at night, I think, to 5 in the morning. And that was done in six months and buses arrived and, and away they go. Curtailment, I guess, another big uh, specialty in Northern Ireland, you know, Patrick Keatley's uh, paper, you know, we uh, covered on our website as well, you know, I think he said in 2020 we dumped 80 million pounds worth of retail value of electricity, you know, wind, homegrown uh, wind here, so... Yeah, and having a whole fleet of electric vehicles plugged into the network can only help that yeah, problem exactly. without a shadow of a doubt. Well, yeah, there, there's definitely a future podcast coming on network flexibility. It, it's going to be a huge, huge topic over the next few years, definitely. What about demand-side response compared to, do we all need smart meters for that or can we do stuff behind behind the meter or any way we can short-circuit this in Northern Ireland as we enter the third cost-benefit analysis on smart meters here? Just for my benefit then, is there no smart meters in Northern Ireland? No, none. Oh, no. right. We're going to be the last country in Western Europe with the looks of things to get them. In theory, it should be easier here because am I right that NIE networks own the meters unlike in, in England where it's the suppliers own the meters? Well, look after the meters anyway. There's, there's meter owners which are a bit separate but so that's a whole different topic. Yeah, so the, the regulatory or the governance there is actually one benefit to Northern Ireland in that the DNO owns and operates the meters. So in theory it should be easier to roll out and also those meters should be much more useful because mm. the, the data is tied into the network company. You can use that data for a lot of outage fault detection and all sorts of things in as well. You know, Friday we had a meeting with the DNO and about a dozen charge point operators which, which was an excellent meeting. Um, we really... Uh, Got a lot, a lot out in the open that day. But one of the things that was said at that, at that meeting was so many people are now moving to economy seven meters with an EV. So 
NIEs going out there and changing all these meters and then X months or years time, they're all, they're all going to head back again then to change them to a smart meter. That sort of smacks of the whole SMET1, SMET2 debate we had in GB where we put in semi-smart meters and then went back and replaced them. But Yeah, and in fairness, the utility regulator tells us, you know, we dodged a bullet there, uh, which is probably true. Which is true. probably true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was 2016, the, the latest standard come out or whatever, so we're, you know, many years further down the line without I mean, any... I, I am slightly torn on smart meters, like it's costing 11 billion pounds. I can't understand how it can cost 11 billion pounds in, in GB, but we do need it for a smart energy system, so it, it is an interesting point. So we've talked about the problems quite a lot then, I think, with them well documented now. So thinking about the future, clearly the investment case is there, yep. the land is there, You know, there's no shortage of people who want to host electric vehicle chargers. It does seem to me that the grid is becoming the big, fast, hard constraint. So... Mark, what in your view needs to happen? Like, what do we need to do to get NI up to GB and ROI yeah. state of well, affairs? I agree, as we've said, that you know the, the investment issue is now seem to be solved. So it, it does seem to be down to regulation, how everything's managed and organised here, and, and we need to look to GB and, and try and uh, move it on. Absolutely. So, Brian, what what sort of things are we talking about then? That could, what, what's the big, the one big thing that the Northern Ireland regulator could do to, to help out here? I think one of the the biggest ticket item is probably charging reform and not charging as in EV charging, charging as in how the costs are apportioned for, for grid connections. You know, when you look at how the GB system has operated with a shared platform for the last 10 or 20 years, already way ahead of what Northern Ireland has, and they're now moving again to remove even more cost away from charge point operators and make it more e- even easier for those charge point operators to install charging and also make sure that charging spread across the country. That's one of the biggest items that the, the regulator here or the relevant government departments really need to be moving that forward. There is as well, obviously, a lot of other detailed and little bits and pieces that sit under that. And I'm just kind of thinking from the discussion with Mark here today, we'll maybe take an action to, to take that away, do a little summary paper based on, you know, we obviously have ex- extensive experience across the GB networks, and we'll maybe do a little bit of a comparison table or a, a paper on that uh, on behalf of EVA and I. Yeah, definitely. We'll we'll put that up on our website and we'll link it uh, to you as well, Mark, and we'll get, hopefully get a bit of a, a discussion going. And yeah, we can bring the learnings from, from GB into the, the Northern Ireland sphere without a shadow of a doubt. Sounds good. All right. Well, that is nearly us. Thank you very much, Mark, for joining us. I think that was an interesting debate. And Brian, thank you very much. And I do have to give a plug, of course, to eSmart Network. So as a reminder, we do spend a lot of time searching for capacity on the High Voltage Network right across Great Britain and Northern Ireland now looking for capacity. Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe. Please do look up Mark's organisation. Do you want to give the website, Mark, where they can find you? Sure, it's just evani.uk. Brilliant. And please do subscribe. Please do recommend this to your friends. If you have any questions, put them on the YouTube comments below or you can email us at thegrid at esmartnetworks.co.uk. That is thegrid at esmartnetworks.uk. Thank you very much.